Y'all quit being friendly now. That's enough. I'd like you to get your Bibles or your tablets or iPhones, whatever it is you use, your Androids, if that's how you roll, and get those ready. We're going to be going to the book of Genesis today. We have been in the middle of a teaching theme called Genesis, and we have been in Genesis 1 and 2, and we spent four weeks in that. How many of y'all have fun with this one? Not one person. That's great. Thank you for that. Let me start over. How many of you have had fun with this one, this Genesis series? You been good? There's still a smattering of applause, kind of like a golf clap. Not quite. I don't know. I'm going to try it one more time. How many have had fun with this message theme? Has it been good? There you go. Um, Was that an actual person or a panther? What was that? Incredible. I'm glad to have the Maggards here today. Some friends of ours, man, incredible people. Glad you're here today. also want to say happy 50th birthday to Mr. Ron Smith. Ron Smith, the big 5-0. Now, if y'all know Ron, you know I should go even, even stronger and like really embarrass him even more, but I'm not going to do it because I roll classy like that. All right? So... Ron, happy birthday. We love you very, very, very much. And speaking of birthdays, you're celebrating your birthday the same day we're celebrating our fourth birthday. So at the end of service today, when you roll out, there's going to be donuts out there for everybody. Come on, y'all. Donuts. There you go. And uh, also, we want you to register for one of our gatherings. This menu you got like this right here. Register for a gathering. That is the small group ministry here at the Hills. And if your your only involvement at the Hills is on Sunday then you're missing out on what God really has for you. We say that church begins as soon as church ends. That's when church really starts happening, is in that small group setting. And so that's what a gathering is about. And there's all types of different ones that are going on that you can get involved in. So at some point today during the message, if I hit a little boring time, then you can read over this, okay? And you can fill that out uh, and then go out at the end of service and just drop it in one of those pails. And uh, it's going to be a great, great time. And then also the photo booth. Ain't that cool? Out, out here is a photo booth. What? I look skinny. <laughs> It'll make you look skinny. Go take a picture. And put it on. That's funny. And we're using the photo booth for several things. Number one is it's fun for our birthday, but also it's advertising our launch for next week. So here's what we'd love for you to do. Our own Seth Farmer, who is a renowned professional photographer, is going to be out there. He can take your picture professionally or, and either or, you can take a picture with your phone. And we want you tagging that, putting it on Instagram, putting it on social media, telling everybody to come out next week. Because what's happening next week? It's two, baby. Here we go. All right. Are you ready to dive into the Word this morning? Please take that off the screen. Thank you very much. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 31. We left off last week, or not last week. We left off the week before and a little bit last week uh, uh, at the 30th verse of Genesis 1. And we're going to read for just a little bit today. So here we go. Then the Lord looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. I love that. Up until this point, he said it's good. That's an entire message in itself. When he looked over all he had made, 
He said it is very good. But you notice he didn't say it is finished. The only time you hear him say it's finished is at the cross. Mm. See, if I was a preacher, I would preach right now. But I'm just going to keep on reading it. And the evening passed and the morning came, marking the sixth day. Chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. Y'all know God didn't need to rest. You know that, right? He's God. He didn't need to rest. That was for us. That was an example for us to take a Sabbath, to take time. He rested from his work. And... God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Now this is where it can get a little confusing if you're reading through Genesis because it seems like he starts over. And you're like, wait, I thought we just went through that. But he goes back and really what happens is the writer of Genesis begins to recap everything that he says. He said, verse 4, this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Another great sermon right there. God's not going to let something grow where there's no people to take care of it. So there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man became a living being then the lord god planted a garden in the east and there he placed the man he had made now skip down to verse 15 of genesis 2 then the lord placed the man not because that's not important all right i just for the sake of time if you don't trust me you can read the rest of that when you get home okay the lord god placed the man in the garden of eden to tend and watch over it but the lord god warned him You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I want you to read those words with me. Let's go. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And all the ladies say, yeah. And all the men say, yeah. So we've talked about a lot of stuff throughout this uh, Genesis series. And today I want to talk about Eden relationships. Relationships the way God intended them to be. Now, when I say relationships, I don't want you to suddenly segment that into marriage or segment that into friendship, I want you to open your mind up, okay? So when I use the word relationship, and we're using Adam and Eve as our prototype now, I want you to think about everything from uh, friends in your neighborhood, coworkers, husbands and wives. I want you to think about brothers and sisters. Am I making sense? Coworkers, whatever it is, this is how God intended for relationships to be. All right, are y'all ready to go today? Come on, we're going to go fast, all right? As we stated last Sunday or the Sunday before last, God always plants a place and then he plants a people. So the first thing God did was create the earth and then he created man, right? 
And in our text we just said, it says God planted Eden and then he took man and placed him there. And this is something we hit several weeks ago, that God has a place for every person. If you are born and breathing, that means God has a place for you. So when you ever start, get that weird feeling, I don't know where I'm going to go. you got to remember this. You may not know where you're going, but the scripture says this. I may not know the way that I take, but he knows the way that I take. That's what Job said. When I don't know where I am, he knows where I am. He didn't even have to bring up Google Maps. How about MapQuest? How many of y'all used to hit that MapQuest? Raise your hand. How many of y'all still print out that MapQuest? Raise your hand. Uh huh. That's the people who couldn't raise their hand because that arthritis is so bad because you're so old. MapQuest. <laughs> it wasn't nice, was it? If Gwen says it's not nice, then it's not nice. So I apologize to all your arthritic people, okay? I'm sorry. If God has, has put you here, then God has a place for you. You notice what God made Adam up from? The dust of the earth. God always mixes you up from the dust of your destiny. I will come on, baby. That was good. God always mixes you up from the dust of your destiny, which means this. That's why you have a feeling for something. You have this thing that pulls on you and and explains why you like certain stuff that other people don't like. That's your dust calling out to you. It's trying to pull you into where you're supposed to be. And no, you can't sing like her. And no, you're not as good looking as him. You're not supposed to be. Your dust is not from there. God wants you to do what you're called to do. So just let the destiny, let God begin to pull you into your destiny. So God has a place for every person, right? But God doesn't just have a place for you. God has a people for you. So he creates a place, puts Adam there, but then he says this. It is not good For man to be alone. I want you to write some things down. These are some things that we say at the hills a lot. Four different things. We were created for community. Number two. We were designed for relationships. Number three. We cannot fulfill our purpose by ourselves. If your dream can be accomplished by you, you're dreaming way too small, baby. The God dream is going to involve other people. It's going to get you to a, it's going to get, you're going to get to a place if you're following your God path that you're going to say, I cannot do this by myself. And that's when God goes, yes, because that means you need him and you need other people. And the fourth thing that we say a lot is nothing good happens in isolation. Nothing good happens in isolation. There are times that God wants you alone with him, but he never leaves you there for very long because he wants you around people. Because in isolation, you start questioning yourself. In isolation, you start feeling down and depressed. And like the old prophet said, it's just me by myself. I mean, this is the prophet that just saw fire come down from heaven, all right? And just a few verses later, he's like, I am going to die because he's by himself. And then he says, I'm the only one that's serving you, Lord. And the Lord says, oh, be quiet. There's 7,000 others out there that are serving me too, but you don't know it because you're too busy by yourself, belly aching. Anybody ever just get by yourself and belly aching? Come on, just be honest and raise your hand. 
Hey, will y'all be honest with me and just say, sometimes it feels good just to have a good old pity party, doesn't it? That's why they call it a party. It feels good. Me and myself. That's why you need people in your life that say, come on, baby, you can do this. Let's do this thing together. So this is not a message about marriage. This is a message about relationships. So I don't want you to tune me out. Verse 18 of our text says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him who is just right for him. Everybody say, just right. Now, the great thing about about studying scriptures like this is I start seeing things that I've never seen before. I'm 46 years old. I've been in full-time ministry since I was 17 Preached my first sermon when I was 12. I've been doing this a long time. And I saw things in this study that I had never seen before. I want to share one with you today, okay? So the Lord God formed from the ground. I mean, what does he say? He says, not good for me, man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals. Some of y'all see where we're going here. And all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. That means that God gave Adam a chance to pick his helper. Now, man, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to tread very lightly with this one right here. This revelation that I'm now giving you is something you need to handle very carefully. In a moment of passion or anger, you better not say, Adam could have picked a bear, woman. He could have chosen a kangaroo, lady. There's a reason they're called man's best friend. He could have just had a dog. Man, listen to me. Do not use this. It will not go well with thee. Let me tell you how to spin it. I mean, not spin it. I mean, the way that you need to... The way you need to say it is something like, you know, that Adam, he was a smart feller. He knew how to wait and wait till the best showed up. Just like me, baby. Just, just like me. God said, I'm going to make you a helper. And he brought all these animals before him. But none of them was just right for him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And I love this. The man says, At last, my love. At last, the man exclaimed, this one, giraffe, you didn't work. This one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Why? Because he looked at her and said, whoa, man. No. Woman. Because she was taken from man. And then verse 24 says, this explains Why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Now listen to this. You talk about paradise. Paradise. A man and a woman. 
living in paradise. They didn't have to worry about what they ate, where they lived. Come on, y'all. How many could just love something like that? Just, I need a little getaway. I want y'all to feed me. I, I mean, everything was perfect. They didn't even have to worry about wearing clothes, y'all. Now, for some of y'all, that ain't paradise. For some of you, that's paradise. You start thinking about that. Just beautiful. There was no shame involved in it. There was no, and that's a whole other teaching that we'll get to at some point. This fact that there was no stress, there were no bills, there was no no sickness. Everybody say paradise. Paradise. So I want to talk for the next few minutes on how we can have our relationship step into paradise and not turn into hell. I need an old me right there. How do we learn from Adam and Eve how to take our relationships and get them to the place that is close to paradise as it can be? I want to give you three points. I want you to get ready to write them down, okay? Here we go. How do we keep Eden, Eden? How do we keep Eden paradise? Number one, God was always welcome in their relationship. The Bible says that God came and walked in the cool of the garden. Came and hung. Can you imagine what those conversations must have been like? Sometimes I think about that. Adam, what'd you name that long neck thing over there? That's a giraffe. That's a good name. I like that name. What you been doing, God? Oh, I've just been out checking on the stars. Just checking on the galaxies. Can you imagine what they talked about as they walked in the cool of the garden? But as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, where God now, when he walks in, they hide from him. As soon as they sinned, they understood that they had sinned and there was shame in their life and they began to hide from him. I want you to write this down. God should always have access into every relationship that you have. If you want it to work out, not just work out, if you want it to be abundant, because that's what our church is all about. God's called us to be a church that is after abundant living. If you want that kind of relationship, make sure that God always has access into that relationship. So this is going to be an answer for some of you if you should be hanging out with who you're hanging out with. This is going to be an answer for you if you should be dating that person that you're dating. Or if you should be having an online relationship with that person. Is God welcome there? When you're alone with that person, is God welcome in that relationship? I'm going to tell you right now, It ain't going to work out, baby. It won't work out. It's going to be bad. It's going to end up producing fruit that you don't want. So how do I get a relationship that is as close to paradise as it can be? Make sure God is always welcome and always has access. Trust me, you want his input. First of all, it was his garden. You know what I mean? It's his garden. He's just letting us live there. I'm going to tell you what will change the way you think of, we think about relationships. If you will just remember, this is God's garden. God's garden. When, I, when Chris and I get to one of those places, y'all know how it is. Come on, you married people. I know I, didn't, I said I'm not talking just to married folks. This is going to help some of y'all that are going to be married. There are some, some nights that are just blissful. It's incredible. Nothing can go wrong. It is unbelievable. And then there are some mornings that all hell breaks loose. And I'm talking about right when you wake up. 
I don't know what happens, but it's like in the nighttime, somebody switched off the bliss. And the next morning, you can just wake up and go, what did I do? I don't know. I just feel like growling at somebody. Can I hear an amen from somebody right now? I'm going to tell you what's changed our relationship is for me to look at her and say, this is God's garden. God's garden. He gave this relationship to us for us to cherish one another, for it to be fruitful. This is not about me getting my needs met or me trying to be what she needs me to be. This is about producing a beautiful, abundant, fruitful garden that others can look at and God gets glory from. Now, if you and I will start looking at every relationship that way, from coworkers to employers to that teacher that you cannot stand. Y'all don't be looking at Mr. Maggard, okay? Don't be looking at him right now. That teacher that, how many of that neighbor? That is a garden that God has given you to take care of, to tend. And he wants to be able to come at any point and hang out in that garden. Why do you think he said, you, you've, heard, you've heard to say to love your friends. I'm going to tell you to love your enemies. Because there's going to be a day that God's going to want to show up in that relationship right now. Let me tell you something right now. There are people sitting in this room right now that I didn't like. And I like everybody, but I didn't like them. You know Why? Because I had a misconception. I had a preconceived idea of who they were, what they were about. They had the same thing about me. And now, these people, I would give my life for them. Is there someone in your life that's that way? That you get that hand up, that stiff arm, putting that Heisman on them because you think you're worried about them. What if you begin to look at that is, hey, this is a garden that God's given me that I'm supposed to make sure that He's always welcome in this place. Are there rooms in your relationships for God? Is he the last thing you think of when you're together? Really? Is he the last thing we think of when you're together? Oh, we should have prayed. Or does his name ever come up? Now look, this is not condemning. This is not convicting. This is something God's wanting us to be thinking about. Is to get to the place that there's never a moment that God can't show up. Doesn't mean you always have to be taking communion every time you get together, okay? And, and just all you do is read the scriptures together. It doesn't mean that. It just means that when you're out having a blast and drinking coffee together and eating donuts together, that at any moment God can say, I think I'm going to step in here. That's all it has to be. God, you're always welcome. You always have access in this place. Thank you, Jody. No, 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 really. Thank you, Jody. As long as he was welcome, they had no worries. Think about this. As long as God was welcome, they didn't have to worry about where they ate, where they lived, who they married. Nothing. What if he becomes the focus of everything? Everything is about him. God, you're always welcome in my life. Number two, first of all, he was always welcome. God was always welcome. How do we get relationships that are as close to paradise as we can get on earth? Number two, they were focused on their purpose. Adam and Eve were focused on their purpose. How many were here a few weeks ago and we talked about what their purpose was? Why did God give them a garden in the first place? To what? Tend it. Boy, I'm a great preacher. It was just two weeks ago, y'all. 
to tend it and for it to be fruitful. Yes. For it to be fruitful and multiply. He said, I'm giving you the garden. I want you to tend it. I want you to fill the earth. I want it to be fruitful. I want it to multiply. As long as Adam and Eve were focused on their purpose, everything was fine. But as soon as they got their focus off of tending the garden and thinking about what they couldn't have, that's when things begin to shift and begin to change. Can I talk to those of you who ever been in a relationship and you're focused on your purpose and then all of a sudden you start getting selfish? It becomes about what you want and what you can't have and that's when things begin to take a downward spiral. Things begin to change. Relationships flourish. I want you to write this down. Relationships flourish when both parties or all of the parties can focus on something together. I want to help you with this. Kristen and I, we've been married for 26 years. Is that right? 26? No? No, not 26. 22. Where do those four years come from? It's one of them blissful weeks, I guess. 26. Evan is not even out of school. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. I'm from Mississippi. Just blame it on that. <laughs> now I've offend, offended arthritic people and folks from Mississippi. So we're just going down the line. I've got a whole list of people that we're just going to check off. We've been married for ever how many years? And I can tell you when, and our relationship is not perfect by any means. But I can tell you that the times that it has been the greatest is when we were both focused on one purpose. One purpose. We had a purpose in mind. Now think about your relationships and what gets you together with other people. You know, there's a reason that it's called community. It means common unity. What is that thing in common that unifies you, that brings you together? What is that thing that makes you connect? That's what gatherings are all about. We have gatherings for different interests, for different age groups. It's something that's, that's in common that can get you together. So let me ask you, in your relationships, what is it that gets you together? What is it that that brings you together? Because what brings you together may not be what keeps you together. So I want to talk about what brings us together can be, oh my goodness, I really like her. You know, it can be, I'm supposed to be with you. Or let me tell you what, this is, I talk to guys all the time. Uh, I have men that will come and talk to me and they'll say, you know, it's easy for me to make friends. But my wife, it's hard for her to make friends. Now, I hear this all the time. And I have, a, I have a reason. I think I have a reason for that. You know what? You, right now, I could take some type of ball and just throw it up. It. Every guy would be like, let's go. Come on. What are we doing? Just bounce a basketball. What was I heard of basketball? Come on. Just That's what it takes for guys to hang out. Just pull out a guitar and people just women, it's it's more emotional. There's gotta be a little deeper connection to that. And so when you when you start talking about those two things and men and women trying to connect, it's different things, you know? Us. We're like, okay, I'll connect over anything, but it's gotta be more emotion, it's gotta be more more connection that's going on. And so here's what I found to really make it beautiful, find something in your life that you can both focus on. 
Kristen and I, the greatest times in our life has been when we had a purpose that we were going after. We have different interests, and we did our own thing, but we had one purpose. Our marriage has never been better since when we planted this church. There have been times it's been hard. There has been times it's been tough, but we have always been together. Most marriages are legally separated until you fall into bed at night. Think about it. Most husbands and wives are completely separated until the end of the night you're just exhausted and you fall into bed. How was your day? That's not abundant. What is abundant is finding something in your life that gives you purpose. And it may be your children. It may be your church. It may be something. Now listen to me. There is a difference in passion and purpose. Passion may bring you together. It won't keep you together. Passion is good, but we need a purpose in our life that is helping us move forward, moving towards something. As long as Adam and Eve had a purpose, everything was fine. Let me tell you something. I, I'm not a big, let's just hang kind of guy. I'm just not, you know. I always, when we hang, I want to, let's do something. Let's go do something. But I meet all the people. A lot of times, let's just hang, man. We'll hang. Hanging is cool, but What you create out of that is just more hanging. (laughs) If that's what you want to create, man, we got to hang again some other time soon, man. Let's hang. That's great. But at some point, attach a purpose to that. There's a purpose behind what we're doing. It's not just hanging. There's something that we're working toward. That's... Again, nothing wrong with getting coffee and hanging out. But at some point, if you want it to be abundant and fruitful, put a purpose behind it. Single folks, husbands and wives, let me tell you, if you can do that in your relationships, find a purpose, you're going to find that it is more abundant and it is more fruitful. But as soon as the enemy got their focus off of their purpose is when things started messing up. You know why churches split? Because the enemy brings in division. You know what the word division means? Divided vision. Division doesn't mean they're bad, we're good, let's go do this. Not just churches, businesses, marriages, everything breaks up when there is divided vision. Everybody say divided vision equals... Division. I want to do this. I want to do this. We have a vision, just even here at the, at the church and the hills. Our purpose is to be a junction of heaven and earth. That's what God's called us to be. To be a place where people can come in and feel safe and welcome and wanted. And yet they can come in contact with an amazing, authentic, all-powerful God. You want to know what we're called to do? That is what we are called to do. Got it? That's our vision. Now when you start hearing something else, saying, well, what if this is this way? That is division. Husbands and wives, when you have one purpose that you're going after and one of you starts thinking about this way and that way, that is the enemy trying to mess you up. But it's just a little bit off. Look, if you're aiming for the moon, if you're a little off here, how far are you going to be off when you get out there? 
I'm just preaching to someone today. Right now. Business partners, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together. You've got to make sure. You know what that scripture means when it says unequally yoked? That means that one of the oxen is pulling harder than the other one. Or one of them was shorter than the other one. And so get your rows all cannywampus, as my daddy would say. Things are all like, like this. You got to be equally yoked. What is that? We got one vision. We got one purpose. This is where we're going. Look at your neighbor and say, We got to have one purpose. Come on, say, One purpose. Not just passion, baby. We got to have purpose. And in my mind, in this message, I think I've said baby about 43 times. Number three. So, number one, God was welcome. Number two, They were focused on their purpose. Does that help anybody this morning? Because I can keep going on that point if y'all want me to. Can I move on now? Okay. Number three, they were one. How do we get our relationships? As much paradise as it can be on earth. Number one, God is welcome in our relationships. Number two, you're focused on a purpose. And number three, you're one. Verse 24 of our text says this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. You know, I think this is amazing that God, just look at me, God took one, Adam, took a rib and created two. Now when you begin to come into relationship with each other, You're reversing that process. You're taking two, and now they're becoming one, which is why it's so sloppy and messy and so painful. Because you bring in two cultures and backgrounds and paradigms and thought processes, and you're trying to merge them together. And it's not, most of them, it's not a merge, it's (laughs) splat. And then you spend the next 20 years trying to get it all figured out. It's not easy. It's hard. But it is the whole point of relationships. The whole point of relationships is for these two to come together. Iron sharpening iron. Pouring vessel into vessel. Encouraging one another. Prodding one another. One scripture says, spur one another on to good works. Put the spurs to them. Get ready to. You got to be around people that are going to. You know, I'm not a theologian, but when I read Genesis, when God gives the command to Adam, don't eat of that tree, it never says anything about Eve being there. So it was Adam's job to convey that message. Right? Now, watch what happens. When Satan tempts Eve, Adam is nowhere in the picture. He's not there. Now, we don't know. He may have been there and just been silent. But either way, he was absent. He was not in the picture. See what happens there? If, if the enemy can get us where we're just a little off, just get you over here doing your thing and her doing her thing or them doing their thing, that's when he began to get you to question stuff and began to get you, well, did God really say that? Because, man, if Adam would have been really on fire and fired up about their purpose, and fired up about God always having access, as soon as Satan would have said, Did God, I will cut your head off. 
What are you doing talking to my girl? First of all, you're a snake. Shut up. But they were separated. And so, I'm telling you, you've got to be in each other's lives. And we'll be talking about, we're going to be doing some relationship teaching in February. And I'm going to get Miss Kristen up here with me. We're going to do a, we're going to do a message together, y'all. Come on. Y'all, come on. We're going to do it together. It's going to be fun. We're going to be do, talking about relationships together. But I can tell you this. One of the greatest things that we've ever done is become one another's accountability partner. I know that scares a lot of you. But I'm more accountable to her than I am anybody in my life. She knows more about me than anybody in my life. Because we made that a deal. We are going to be accountable to one another. I have areas of weakness in my life that she has full access to. There's not a moment that she can't walk in and go, Hey, I want to check. How are you doing on that? I noticed this. What's up? Same thing with her. There are areas of our life that we are vulnerable We know that we're weak in those areas. And we have become accountable. And I try to keep her in my life every chance I get. I'm I'm in her life every chance I get. Listen, you want relationships to work? You need to be one. I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the word unity. And then I want you to scratch it out. Write down unity and scratch through it. And then say, this is not the point. We use the word unity all the time. Unity is not what we're after. Oneness is what we're after. There's a big difference. You can be unified and not be one. Jesus said this in John 17 and 21. He said, I pray that they may all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, And may they be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus' maybe only unanswered prayer is that we would be one. And all we're focused on is unity. If we just get all the churches together and the pastors together, that ain't what God's after. He's after oneness. One body. One flesh together. Well, you talk, about, you talk about building championship teams. And you talk about building marriages that last and create grandchildren and great-grandchildren. You talk about businesses that thrive and schools that are absolute. This kind of thing where we are after oneness and not just unity. How many would say that's a hard thing? Come on, raise your hand. How many would say that's a hard thing? And that's why in our text it says, and may they be in us. There's the key. To make a relationship really flourish and really be paradise, we're going to have to find ourselves in Him. Matter of fact, Galatians 3.28 says that we are all one in Christ Jesus. You're not going to do it without Him. Your marriage is not going to flourish. Your relationships are not going to be abundant. Your co-workers aren't going to like you any more than they do today until you can take that garden and submit it to God. I want all the men to get up on the edge of your seat. I'm going to give you a word of advice. Listen to me. Listen. You are not man enough to be the man she needs you to be. You're not man enough to be the father 
that your children need you to be. Wives, you're on the edge of your seat. Listen to me. You're not strong enough, pretty enough, intelligent enough to be what he needs or what they need. You know, God doesn't want to make us better men and women. God wants to make us more like Jesus. I work for so hard to be a better me. But you know what I produce when I do that? More me. And me is a mess. And when I want to do good, I do bad. When I try not to do bad, I do it anyway. Can I hear an amen from somebody today? Is it just me? No. Why? Because we just produce more of us. More of us. But when we are in Christ, we produce more of Christ. So I want to, I want to really encourage you this morning to submit your relationships to Him. And then begin to pray for, believe for, and go after relationships where God is welcome, where we're focused on a common purpose, and we're going after oneness. How many received that word this morning? Do you receive it today? That word, not my preaching, the word of God. How many received the word today?